Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi friends, and welcome to the show. Today, I am in a special conversation with Emily Nahazel. Emily is an intuitive career coach who believes we all deserve to spend more time doing what we love. She supports entrepreneurial women and conscious corporate individuals who want work that better supports their souls. I am so delighted to have Emily on today, and we're going to be talking about her shift out of the work of accounting and corporate culture and into a more intuitive role, how she uses astrology and human design in her work, and why knowing yourself better can enable you to be of deeper service to the communities that you find yourself in. So I'm really looking forward to learning from Emily today and sharing her wisdom with you all. Before I bring Emily on, I want to just ground us in our opening invocation. So wherever you are, you can sort of settle into your being. You might want to take a deep breath as I read these words. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures that we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So Emily, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just going to dive into my first question, which is that I would love to hear a little bit more about your own professional path over the last five to ten years. How did you go from a very sort of corporate, quote-unquote, professional setting into the work you're doing now, which has a much different feel. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Megan. I'm honored to be here. I love your show. And as many, my path was or felt circuitous at the time. I went to business school. I felt like that was a smart path. I was good at business, good at math, had a business head. And from there, became an accountant, a CPA, pretty quickly I knew that wasn't my life's work. <laughs> I was good at it, but it didn't, it didn't light me up. And a few years into that role, after graduating college and working for getting a job with a big four public accounting firm, I started to hear this voice saying, there's something more. There's something more for you. And I didn't know what that was at the time. I started to get curious, though. I ended up enrolling in a yoga teacher training and then a health coach coaching program, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and through that, decided that I wanted to leave the corporate world and start my own health coaching practice. I really loved health and wellness and really loved teaching and sharing that information, and so I did. I made that leap. Left, left the corporate world really without much besides my website and I, an idea for a business to fall into. Um, and I did health coaching for a few years whilst once again hearing that voice of like, there's something a little different. There's something a little different. And eventually found my way where I am now doing, the biz, doing more of the business and career coaching 
I had a lot of folks come to me while I was health coaching saying, how did you start your health coaching business? That's so cool that you left uh, KPMG, which is the firm I worked for. Uh, so I started giving this, this career advice and I really do find that um, this feels like a sweet spot for me because I love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love empowering folks to take those steps that has them working in a way that, that really lights them up. Um, and a lot of the, the folks that I do support are in the health, wellness, and personal growth industries, which are personal interests of mine. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I don't know if I had missed it, but did not know about the health coaching segue. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That now yeah. That I know you. One thing, and it's okay if you don't feel comfortable sharing, but one thing that my clients wonder about a lot is like, the practical and like you have this affinity for numbers. I think the very practical, like how did you pay <laughs> your bills when making that transition? Like, did you wait until you had savings? Did you have a supportive partner? Did you mm -hmm. um, just like reduce expenses as much as you could? Like, it's, I think it's always helpful for people to kind of demystify that process a little bit because people can do it. Um, and could you share a little bit as much as you're comfortable about how you made that work? Yes. Yeah, I'm totally an open book. And I agree that these are important questions to ask and ask publicly, because if you're considering that transition, your real life expenses and how you're going to support yourself or provide yourself if you need to support yourself and provide it for yourself is very important. So I did have savings that I built up in my corporate job, and that was that allowed me to go to yoga teacher training, pay for the health coach training as well, and, and also give me a cushion for when I did start my coaching business. Also at the time, I was living in New York City, which is one of the most expensive places in the world to live, so I knew that I needed that buffer because even if I started my coaching practice and things uh, like clients started coming in, I knew that it probably wouldn't add up to my full-time salary as an accountant mm -hmm. right away. So I had savings and then I just had to be really honest about where I was at. And a few months into my business, things were going well, you know, I was getting clients but it really, it wasn't adding up. I wasn't making enough to support myself in New York City. So I looked for other jobs and I thought to myself, what would be the best case scenario here? And that to me would be working for another coach, learning from them and also being in the field that I wanted to be in. And that's what mm -hmm. ended up happening. I got a job, which was very part-time at the beginning. And then I ended up working for this coach in more depth, almost full-time. And that allowed me to really bridge myself from being an employee, being a CPA, having a full-time salary to then being my own boss and being able to support myself from my coaching business mm -hmm. alone. Well, that's really savvy of you that you got into a role like that. That sounds <laughs> ideal. Hmm. Yeah, it really was. Mm -hmm. It really was. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's helpful to n understand the nuts and bolts of people of how people make that shift. So one of the 
aspects of your work that I really appreciate is how you weave in both astrology and human design. And I would love to hear a little bit more about the ways that you use these two disciplines, how they help maybe you, but also your clients gain clarity about their work or their businesses. Uh, Maybe we could start with human design. If you don't mind giving like a quick overview, I feel like a total newbie still. Um, Anything you could say to just like ground us in what it is. And then I'd love to hear about how you use it to, to help people gain some clarity. Yeah. So human design is a system akin to astrology where you put in your birth time, date, and location, and you are presented with a map. That's what I think the astrological birth chart and the human design chart are. They're a map as to your soul or your personality. And where I find these maps really important, well, they're really helpful in first, the self-awareness component. Rarely do I look at and always when I start with clients, I look at their charts, both their astrological birth chart and their human design chart. I look at different components within each of these charts, and we can go a little bit deeper into the human design if if you'd like, because I know you do speak more to astrology in this podcast, uh, so that might be new information. But we look at the charts as a starting point for self-awareness, and rarely do I tell people things that are totally out of left field, it's usually very affirmatory. So affirming their strengths, their gifts, the things that will bring them joy, affirming the voice in their head that's saying, this isn't for you, go this route. And so that's really where I start with the astrology and the human design. And there are specific points we can also look to as far as how you not only what fields or what sort of roles might be good for you, but how you can also structure your days, your weeks, your months, your years, so that they best support your soul. Um, for example, in human design, have you ever looked up your your human design chart, Megan? Yes, I think I'm a, is manifesting generator yes. one of them? Okay, yes. yeah. So there's five different types major types in human design and these tell us how our energy works and the five types are very different. I'm a generator and a lot of our um, generators can thrive in a capitalist society. So in some ways we have a little bit of a, I guess, a leg up in that sense, not saying it's good because there is also a negative expression of that, but generators and also manifesting generators are able to, can show up a little bit more and create and do and make. So maybe more of that nine to five model or um, yeah, just a consistent working model. Whereas two other types in, in particular, actually the three other types in human design, manifester, projector, and reflector really often need a totally different way to work. And by that, I mean, Perhaps you don't work 40 hours a week. Perhaps you don't work in a consistent manner where you're showing up nine to five during the week. Uh, And those types really thrive in untraditional environments. So that in in and of itself is really helpful for folks to know like, oh, I've been pushing to be someone and work in a way 
pushing to be someone I'm not and work in a way that really isn't aligned for me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I've never heard it put that way, but I can imagine how affirming that would be to someone who's just feeling totally squeezed by the expectations to work like other people work. Could you share a little bit about like your own human design type and how you kind of flex the gifts that are inherent in that in your current work? I, I'd love to hear like a specific example. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I am a generator and generators and manifesting generators fall under this category as well. When we are doing things that we love, we can show up, whether that's for our more traditional work or the work of our lives more consistently. So when I'm doing things that I love, I can work long days. You know, I can get up and be with my kid and then put in a few hours doing sessions and then, I don't know, cook dinner or something, like do that as a creative outlet and still feel lit up. Um, Mm. Another example I like to use is when I lead retreats, which I'm not doing this year because I have a, a new baby, but when I lead retreats, I'm often on from very early in the morning, like 7, 8 a.m. until late at night. And I don't feel depleted. I can't do that all the time, but in that period of time, I can because I'm following my joy. I'm doing things that light me up. And as a result, when generators, manifesting generators, when we're doing things that light us up, we also fuel the people around us. And I know we're going to talk about being of service, but I like to remind myself of this and remind my clients of this. When you're doing what you love, especially as a generator or manifesting generator, and you're lit up, it's not selfish. It's actually serving the world because your light, your energy is supporting others who perhaps don't make that for themselves from the human design perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Where would you recommend people start if they're curious about this? Is this are these like intro sessions that you offer or could someone just look up their type? Yeah, you can look up your type online on mybodygraph.com. That's I think one of the major sites that's where I go. You'll need your birth time, date and location. Uh, it's also something that I do talk to and speak through with people in sessions. Mm -hmm. So if human design is like kind of about how we use our energy or how energy flows maybe through us, how do you feel like it's different or similar to astrology and someone like working with their birth chart, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like you said, is a map of where the planets are at the moment that we're born. How do you feel like these contrast or complement one another? This is such a good question, and it's one I sit with because sometimes I'm like, do I need to use both of these? Could I just look at someone's birth chart? Could I just go deeper into their human design? And the answer is probably yes. I think that there's some overlapping information, but how I tend to go a little deeper into the astrological chart for specifics as to the different arenas of your life, like how you might show up in work and how you might show up differently in home, where might be, uh, what might be your communication style or your marketing style, how might other people see you? So there's more specific questions 
I think with astrology, and that might just be my context, but with human design, I really use it for and use it for myself and use it in, in my work in that. How does your energy work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What are some I, of the, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing with human design, I love to educate folks on is that it can tell us different, the different ways that our intuition speaks to us. There's a lot of talk of intuition and going with your gut and following your calling. And from my experience, that looks differently for different people. And human design gives us a really easy language in the form of your authority and your strategy as to how you are designed to make decisions. Hmm. Could you give an example of like two of maybe two different strategies or forms of authority? Definitely. So for some folks, uh, mostly generators, manifesting generators may be a sacral authority, which means your, again, I'm going to say intuition speaks to you from your gut. So you have this gut feeling of being pulled towards something or repelled away from something. You have a gut instinct of yes or no. Whereas um, other types have a different approach. So there's also a, a heart authority. And so for those folks, it's more, what is your heart desire? And these questions or these, these ways of making decisions may sound similar, but it is a nuanced difference. And I think presenting that and allowing yourself to sit with what does my heart desire? What is my gut saying based on your, your unique authority is really empowering Mm -hmm. to know that, uh, like tool, how you can tap into that tool of your intuition for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say that we all have access to those, but some of them are sort of at the forefront or where we go first? Like your intuition, we all have access to it. Like, I feel like, yeah, that resonates that I sort of work primarily from that sacral or gut place, but I do, I am trying (laughs) to become more conscious of like the heart and desire and how to sort of pull that in more, but I guess it's not my primary access point. Do you feel like we all, we all have, you know, the gut and the heart and these different places in the body, but that we just go to one or two of them first? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think like within astrology, you may have a sign that more heavily influences your chart, but you ultimately, we all have all of the signs within us. And I believe the same, like there's wisdom from all of the different types, all of the different strategies and authorities in human design that we can apply. With all of this, I am never dogmatic. If something that's not your type or not your, you know, sun sign speaks to you, go with that. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's my approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to remember that these are all just tools and gateways for us to cultivate, you know, understanding, which sort of leads me to another point, which is, you know, we talked briefly before about how 
I think a lot of the people who maybe come to us or like are moving through transitions, there's this tension between like needing more self-awareness or self-knowledge in order to feel like aligned and like we're making the decisions that we need to. But also I find some of the people that I work with either feel like guilty about doing that or, or they don't see the connection between being of service. But then there's also people who are wholeheartedly like being of service in ways that aren't aligned for them and are getting burnt out and resentful mm-hmm. or getting, you know, ground up by the system. So I think it's important to hold the desire for self-knowledge in balance with that desire to be of service. And I'd love to hear more about how you help people make this connection and, and find like a healthy balance between like, yes, know yourself and find the tools that speak to you. But, you know, on one hand, we don't want to stay in there forever and just learn about ourselves with no impact beyond us. But we also don't want to just dive in and, you know, be of service without any sense of like what, fits for us. So how do you help people make that connection? On a very practical level, I think every coaching session that I offer, it is a combination of that. And I think that's what coaching is in general. It's not just me, (laughs) is there's a piece of education or cultivating that awareness of self, of your circumstances, of your feelings, and then what is the action that you're taking? So it's both this inward looking and then what are you doing with that information? Is there a change in your outer environment that you need to make or perhaps like a, an internal shift that then will have a ripple effect in a ripple effect outward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often, I've never talked to another coach about this, but my sort of approach or my belief is that if we can get really grounded in who we are on a deep level, the gifts that we came to this earth with and our current like ecosystem or environment, the current landscape that we're in, that we can find our pathway into service through that. Mm -hmm. But I know it's sort of like an inward to outward movement, but I know many coaches and like the whole, whole swaths of the coaching industry are built on this more like external research mode. You see like where are the gaps in the market and like who, or even if it's like a nonprofit, like who, what community speaks to you most or what have you struggled with most yourself? And, you know, is there a nonprofit addressing that? And in my experience, it's just not as, sustainable or robust to start outward. I could be totally Mm -hmm. wrong and it could just be me. Um, But how do you, like if someone is looking for new work or they're trying to start a new business and need to find out like who their audience is, what's kind of your blend of like research and external movement versus internal? Like, I feel like we all sort of have our own mix of that, but what's yours? How do you help people or like, what's the movement like, I guess. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you reflecting that of, because I think I've been in the coaching and personal development world so long. It's, and I don't, I don't, I work more with individuals, not, not really with big businesses, but you're right. A lot of the approach is 
what's out there, where are the holes. Um, it's very outward focused versus going in and the approach that I take with my clients. And I think this is also the, the nature of working with individuals in the coaching and personal development fields is one, looking at your charts, how, what do your charts say about who you are, what gifts you have, what might be your areas of challenge. And then the other thing that I do is ask my clients essentially to tell me their story and we use their story, their challenge points, what has been transformational for them in their past to then craft the offer or the gift or their service to the world. Mm, I love that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It, it really is like in the, in the heart of us or like the heart of our story. And I love that you weave that in and have people sort of go back. And I can imagine that being really illuminating or clarifying. I feel like a lot of us just sort of discount our stories, but I can imagine you tell me that that would be a pretty powerful exercise. It is. And, and like with so much, I, I kind of stumbled into it. Like I found I was doing this reflective storytelling work with a lot of my clients and that they came out of it wanting to offer something often not radically different, but different enough from what they came in with knowing that this was a powerful exercise. Mm. Um, And I think that when we really get to the heart of it and the heart of our own stories, what we, well, one, we can sit in the the people that we're going to help shoes a lot easier. We can speak to them because we've been there. Um, We can also craft, like I say, craft an offer, craft a service that really is going to be helpful or healing or transformative to that specific person versus, oh, this is what I see someone else doing. Let me just apply that to my niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So if this is like, if we're thinking about the story frame and this, if this is like, you know, the current chapter unfolding, what are you noticing for yourself or your clients right now as we're sort of needing to pay bills and still work and there's still (laughs) capitalism, but things are, I don't know what words you use, you know, chaotic, collapsing, changing, transforming. How, what sort of challenges are you noticing coming up for people as they're trying to do their best work and, and earn the income that they need in the midst of everything happening? I think it is an ongoing challenge and it's something that the last few years have really brought to light of how do we want to be living our lives because for so many of us and I'll speak to myself but I think this is also true for a lot of our generation um, we saw we've seen our parents or our grandparents uh, work and work and work to then retire but like who but spending their whole lives working and sacrificing maybe time with family or joy or hobbies. And what sent me on the path of leaving the corporate world and becoming my own boss was really wanting more sovereignty, 
and choice and freedom in the now, in the the right now, <laughs> you know, not 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So I think there's a real questioning of what success is. And I know that's something that, that you've spoke about and likely speak with your clients about, but there's a real questioning of what is success and what is success to me and how do I craft my work and my life to, to result in that. And success can sometimes be a loaded word for folks if success only means getting straight A's and making a certain amount of money. But what will bring you joy? What will bring you fulfillment? And I feel that a lot of folks are no longer willing to put that off till say a you know a certain amount in the bank account or a certain age where then you can retire um, so i'm not really sure if i answered your question there but i love that more people are in the questioning and perhaps not hoarding resources or only focusing on their savings account yes there can be value in having a savings account and having financial stability but taking some quote unquote risks in the now for a better quality of life or to put that work out there that their heart is calling them to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like everyone is sort of noticing that the stakes are different or mm -hmm. um, I think for me and many others, and I know you can speak to this too, as a new mom, it's sort of like the weight of it is so heavy that it's just not really an option to keep going the way we were before. Yeah. Um, do you feel like you're reevaluating things in your own working journey since becoming a parent? Absolutely. Um, and I really, I think I said this before we started recording, but I really appreciated your recent, ep or it might have not been recent, but I listened to the episode on, uh, if you're, if you're doing your soul's work, does this mean you'll be poor? And how you mentioned the conscious choices that you and your partner have made for your family to be there with your kids and to have spaciousness in your life. And I just really appreciated your honesty because I want that too. I want to be there with my, with my son. He's uh, three months now and I know this time will be gone in an instant. So as I mentioned, I'm really conscious about what I'm putting on the calendar and yeah, my priorities have certainly shifted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have to, to, in order to keep your sanity and, and stay intact, I think. Yeah. yeah. So what would you recommend if someone is listening and they're maybe where you were, you know, in New York working for a big accounting <laughs> firm and they're like, Oh, I think something needs to change. Like where would you recommend just starting? Is it human design or astrology? Is it something else? Like where, what's like a little thread or gateway that you'd recommend looking at first? I say, follow your curiosity, follow mm -hmm. what lights you up. And that's even a little bit of like, generator language that I'm using there, but follow what you're interested in. Listen to those pings, whether it's something that says, go to that workshop, book that session, just listen to that. 
what I found is when there's a big change that needs to be made, it's, we don't always get presented with the big picture and like a perfect path to get there. We're often presented, and when I say presented, like your intuition or your higher self or spirit shows you the next right step. So that might be booking a session with a coach or a healer. It might be looking up your human design chart or your astrological birth chart. It might mean you take a weekend away and go be in nature, but listening for that next right step and trusting yourself enough to take it, even if you don't see like what is the end in sight. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's perfect advice. Thank you. And how, if there's someone listening and saying, you know, yeah, that all sounds great, but you know, that sounds really selfish or how, (laughs) how would leaving my role in the nonprofit, like equate to being of service? How do you make sense of service capital S, you know, in the world and, and how we offer ours? This is a big question. I think, Well, there's two pieces with this. I think one is really breaking down one's relationship to service and being of service because some, obviously being of service is a higher calling. Like there's that positive side, but there can also be like a shadow side of feeling like you always have to be doing things for others. What I've found is when we do follow our spark, our curiosity, our joy, our inspiration, we're able to serve others because we're, and it's cliche, our cup is filled. And again, you might not see how, like, how does me going to yoga teacher training, if I don't really plan on teaching yoga, serve the world? Is that just a selfish thing? If you're feeling called to, I'd say, No, it's not selfish because perhaps you go and you learn things about yourself and you're able to show up as a much more present and much more happy parent or coworker. Um, So so I think there's doing something for yourself is not always selfish. And I think there's we can do some work in breaking that down. Um, And there was another piece with this, but I just I just lost it. So (laughs) I think that will be it. That's okay. Yeah, I really appreciate that you sort of widen our view on that. I feel like people can get so literal about it. Like if I'm not working directly with people or, you know, if I'm not working directly in conservation, then I'm not Mm. contributing. And I just, you know, energy is so different and like, you know, the physics of being alive, like we know that everything is totally <laughs> interconnected, you know, impossible to separate truly. Um, and sometimes it's hard to remember that, but we, c- even if we don't see the immediate impacts, you're right. We do show up really differently. Yeah. And I love what you mentioned about like widening our perspective of what is service and it's worth also widening your perspective around what is your work. Not everyone who comes to me, and I'm sure not everyone that comes to you is in a position where they want to, or it's their path to leave corporate America. I don't think that's necessarily the goal for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe your job allows you to have more financial resources that then you can give back or 
it allows you to have more spaciousness with your family or with other loved ones where you can give back in that sense. So really widening, I love that, that concept of widening the lens. What is service and what is our work? Work mm-hmm. with a, a lowercase W, work with a capital W. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Mm, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share, Emily, about human design or astrology or what you're noticing among your clients right now? My final words or parting words is just to allow yourself, wherever you are, whether you're in a place of transition or not, there's always, always, always power and benefit in taking a pause And that's often a lesson we get from the summer season or the winter season, at least in my experience. The summer is like a heightened pause and the winter is like an empty pause. But I think we have those moments in every day, every week. And that pause can be the difference between us taking the step forward on the path that really is aligned for us and pushing or pushing towards a path that really isn't in our highest and best good. And I don't say that to say if you don't allow yourself that breath or that moment that you're going to somehow end up on the wrong path, there is no wrong path. But sometimes all you need is a breath to make a shift. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautifully said. Thank you. I took a deep breath as you were talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really it, isn't it? Yeah, it's just breath by breath. Mm, Thank you so much, Emily. This has been a really rich conversation for me and I hope for everyone listening. I'll share links in the show notes, but do you mind just letting people know where they can find you, follow you? um, And can you also share a quick note about the uh, offer that you're, you know, offering to our listeners Mm -hmm. for the career clarity session? Yeah, of course. Um, so thanks for, to everyone for being here. You can find me at on my website, emilynahazel.com. And you'll probably want to click the link in the bio since Nahazel is a fun one to spell. <laughs> I am also most active on Instagram. And my handle there is at emilynahazel. If you are in a period of inquiry, questioning, feeling like you're at that place of transition or simply wanting affirmation that you are indeed on your soul's path. I offer something called a career clarity session where we look at a few key points in both your astrological birth chart and we look at your human design type and strategy and authority. Some of the pieces we mentioned here on this call Um, And I've given Megan a link for $50 office session, which she'll put in the notes. And I would love, love, love to connect with you through that session. Thank you, Emily. That's really generous. And thank you for the generosity of your time and insights. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I will be back with you in two weeks with a new episode. Take such good care, and I'll see you on the other side. 